Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you've made. Thank you for the salvation that is in the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the cross of Calvary and for the redemption of lost man. Thank you that you purchased us with a price, not with chicken blood or goat's blood or ox blood, but with the Lamb of God whose blood takes away the sins of the world. Thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the reality of coming to the grace that allows us to inherit the inventory of heaven. Thank you for a dwelling place in heaven that you prepare for us. Give us a vision for these things that there is no devil upon the earth that could distract us, distance us, or distort, deceive, bring deception into our lives, Lord. Allow us to see clearly the things that are ours in Christ Jesus, that we not go astray, Lord, that we be strengthened in this faith, that we understand the promise of God is fulfilled, the dreams of God come true, the prayers that we lift up to you are answered. So give us spiritual insight and wisdom in these things, Lord. Allow us to grow up and to mature in Christ, that we not be tossed to and fro, Lord. Allow us to pursue pleasing you in all things at all times. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. Bless your word and make it a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Make it a double-edged sword that would penetrate the deepest part of our being. Allow your word, Father God, to be the bread of life that nourishes us right now. Put a good seed in a good heart and bring forth good fruit and a harvest that glorifies your name. We glorify you and bless you. And thank you that your word will not return void. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, <clears throat> we've been uh, talking about this. Be sober. On Wednesday, that word sobriety means balance. You don't want to go overboard one way. If the devil can't get you to be the devil, he'll get you to be religious. And so the both of them are going to hell um, religious people that exercise their religion and not their relationship with God are a problem. Uh, Jesus came and, and rebuked the religious people of his day greater than he rebuked the sinners, the sinners and the prostitutes. He had worse words to say to those people who already thought they knew God than those who didn't know God. So let's be careful to keep a balance on this thing, lest we go overboard. Uh, the second admonition here that Peter tells us is not only to be sober, but to be vigilant. We talked about vigilant, being able to see into the supernatural. A lot of people don't understand why we gather at church. They, in the natural, they see a whole bunch of people in four walls. But if God were to peel back their vision, allow them to see the church of the living God, the bride of Christ, a people who love God and are going to dwell in heaven's streets of gold, this transparent city that there is no light because he is the light of that city. They can't see that. Um, so vigilance talks about vision. We talked about a copy of the vision of this church. If you're part of this church, you should know the vision. You should know what it's about. Um, I want to say something about the vision very quickly. The vision of this church is not one day I wake up and God goes abracadabra or beady bobbity boo. No. If you read the vision of this church... Is full of scripture. They're Bible verses. It talks about what the church that Jesus Christ is going to come for. It's in here. And so our vision tracks the, the word of God. And it talks about a people who love God more than anything upon the earth. 
There's legitimate people that love God more than life. That's what the Bible says. They did not love their lives uh, unto death. That means they were willing to die for what they believed. And I can tell you with every missionary trip that we go on, we pretty much are losing our life. Well, I was in Mexico one time and, and we were in a very dangerous place and we were there as missionaries and some guy says, aren't you, aren't you scared you're going to lose your life? This is, this is a real dangerous place. I said, mister, I lost my life many years ago. I'm, I'm already dead. Why am I dead? Because I'm living for God and I'm not living for myself. And so... Uh, the vision of this church is just a compilation of, and, and you'll see the clarity of it. And it, this was written 20 years ago. But if you go back 34 years ago, when I first gave my life to the Lord, um, I said, Lord, I need salvation. Save me if you can. I didn't even believe he would. And, and so he's come strongly. And, and he's, he's not only allowed me to see things. On Wednesday, we talked a little bit about that not knowing um, spiritual things when we first started. When I sit down with Pastor Guillermo Velasquez, I said, I'm 51 years old. I came to the Lord when I was 16. I can't pretend like I'm a dumb Christian. Because I'm 51 and I don't, I, don't, I don't play with the things of God. So I want to be around serious people who th take the things of God seriously. You won't see me sitting down for five and a half hours to fool around. You won't see like that in my life. I, I, I won't meet to fool around for five and a half. I don't have five and, hours to, five and a half hours to fool around. I, I want to meet with serious people about the plans God has for our lives. And so some people will do that for money. Some people will do that for different projects they have. But, but I'm, I'm vested into this kingdom of God that I see clearly. God has given us a vision to change the world. And these things in 1 Peter 5.8, he says, if you keep sober and you work on being able to see your adversary, your enemy, the devil will not be able to devour you. Because he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So when the Bible's giving you two points, sobriety, uh, I want to say that a lot of us are not drug addicts, we're not alcoholics, but we're worse sometimes with our emotional mood swings. You guys know somebody who's addicted to mood swings? Absolutely. Because one day they're like, ah, life is good. And the next day they're like, I'm going to kill somebody. This is just their mood swings are all over the place. So they're, the devil, they're an easy prey for the devil. Uh, alcoholics, uh, drug addicts, people that are uh, unduly influenced by uh, outside substance. They're called substance abuse. And, and so sobriety has to do with not being overtaken by a substance whether it be alcohol, drugs, or whether it be emotional mood swings. So these things the devil takes advantage of. And when we talked about be sober and be vigilant, um, I, I, want to, I want to get into an aspect of spiritual vision that I think will allow you to really not allow the devil in your life. Um, because... Not only is the vision good, which is the church's vision, which is a vision for the church in the last days, but I see that every time the devil attacks, every, every time I see the in, the, in the, in the Bible, when I see the devil come in, it's always within the parentheses of the atmosphere of man's need. Whenever, whenever there's something compelling in us that, that is suffering a need, the devil is right there like a butler wanting to serve you according to your need. And if you're not careful, every time he serves your need in an illegitimate manner, he devours you. So 
uh, clarity today through the word of God is that I need to have a clear vision. I need to see it. That God is my sole provider to all my needs. Whenever I'm in the frailty of our human condition, I could start enumerating, and, and we'll go through here. If I start over here with Leo and I go all the way over there uh, to Joey, I, I could see all the needs we have. The devil's the first one to show up saying, Monjour, you called. Let me serve you according to your need. And that is the beginning of your downfall if you're not telling him, I'm waiting for another way tour. I'm not going to let you serve me. I'm not going to let you be my guide in the midst of my travels. So here it is, Acts 17, 24, to have spiritual vision, the fundamental essence of man's downfall is how he walks in expressing the meeting of his needs. That's, 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 that becomes a step in the wrong direction if we don't say, God who made the entire cosmos, everything created in the universe was made by God and everything that dwells therein was made by God. Since he is the owner the Lord of heaven, and he is, he owns the earth and does not dwell in tiny temples made with the hands of man, verse 25, as if he needs, nor is he worshiped with man's hands as though he needed anything. You got to put God in his place because him in his place is the rightful balance of all things. Our God is not lacking. Our God does not need anything because he is the giver. And you talk about needs, you have to go to who's going to meet those needs. And you have to confess with your mouth, my God gives to all living things their very life. He gives them their breath. And this is my favorite part of this verse. He gives all things. The Greek meaning for all things is all things. All things. And so we need to begin with how man finds the wherewithal to be lacking, number one, be in need, and number two, how quickly things come to want to meet your needs. And I know, you know, we're not going to get into this because this becomes overwhelming. But man's, if, if you can say that there's one thing that needs to be healed in our existence upon the earth while we live is to resolve this issue of our needs. And that God comes to meet our needs. Because it would be horrible that we would have needs and then know where to meet them. And so the dilemma upon the earth are legitimate needs being fulfilled by illegitimate means. Legitimate needs, like I need this, and then illegitimate provision. That's man's ruin. And so now, from now on, if you establish clear vision that God is the creator of all things, he doesn't need anything, he's the giver of all things, life, breath, and all things to all people. And in our dilemma, we, you know, the Republicans point at the Democrats, the Democrats point at the Republicans. The, the capitalists point at the communists, the communists point at the capitalists, but the essence of this thing is that we've been blinded because God, he is the one that stands in that place to meet our needs. 
And if we're not healed there, if we're not, if we're not, if we don't have clarity of understanding, we begin to have all types of issue. I hate communists. Why? And then you say, I hate capitalists. Why? I hate liberals. I hate conservatives. Why? Because it all goes to the need base. They're not meeting the needs we have. So the devil begins to thwart your understanding. And so one of the most powerful verses that I enjoy in this condition of man is that God is to provide and satisfy and fill man till it overflows, being the provider of all his needs. Uh, Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... Hallelujah! I have no issues with communists and capitalists. I have no issues with Democrats and Republicans. God is my provider. He's the source of my sustenance. And all who need something. My, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is there in John chapter 7. Where Jesus He's seeing all the religious activity of the day. And he's seeing these guys fret, come and go. And, and they're into their religious practice. But they, they don't get the clarity of what he's trying to send as a message. So they're into their religious practice. In John chapter 7. Verse 37. Imagine you being at the Dolphin Mall. Imagine you being down at some flea market or you're at some place where everybody's scurrying around and they're dealing and they're, and they're striving and everybody's trying to get theirs. And on the last day of the great feast, Jesus stands up. Last time I tried to stand up, I fell. So I'm not going to do that. He stands up and he says with a great loud voice, if anyone has thirst, let him come to me and drink. There's a whole city. And they're all in the religious practice. They're all trying to strive. They're trying to run and scurry. And Jesus stands up and, and shouts, if anyone is thirsty. What's that mean to you? Well, what does if anyone is thirsty he told the woman at the whale, Mary, bless you, sir, five times, or ma'am, whoever it was. Five times married, the sixth relationship wasn't working out, and he says, if you ask me, you'll never thirst again. He's coming to satisfy and to quench the thirst of mankind. And so the needs are deep and profound. And he's crying out. And I don't know if you've heard this voice. I've heard it. And I said, Lord, I'm thirsty. And I need you to quench my thirst. I'm needy. I need you to provide for me. Verse 38 says, if you come and drink, he who believes in me, as the scriptures say, out of his inside, there will be a flowing of spring it says the rivers of living water will begin to flow. There'll be so much provision. It, was, it will be an on-flowing provision of the kinds that never run out. He told the woman, you'll never thirst again. I have provision you know not. If you knew the gift of God, you would ask me. And so... Not being able to have clarity along these lines make us blind and make us woeful. Here's where the devil comes and attacks man, presenting himself as the signal uh, pathway to divert man from coming to God. We, we start talking about physical needs and the natural. Pastor. Had this one young man in our youth group. He would come over and he'd sit in my car. He says, this is a beautiful car. Why don't you give me your car? It's a little bit mental. And I said, why don't you get it from where I got it? And he says, where'd you get it? I said, God gave it to me. Why don't you ask God? 
Quit asking me. But we have physical needs, and, and I know that people all the time, physical needs, financial needs, healing, health needs, relationship needs, these eyes of ours, ears, hands, our feet. There were people with all sorts of infirmity and disease. And my Bible says he healed every single one of them. He met all their needs. He touched the blind, they could see. He touched the deaf and they could hear. He touched the mute and they could speak. He healed the cripple. He healed, healed the leper. He healed the infirm. The woman with the flow of blood, he healed. Those of us that have physical needs, I want to tell you that God wants to meet your needs. He wants to supply you with everything within his realm of provision. And so we pursue God in that reality. A friend of mine says, I don't like to bother God asking him for things. I go, I do. God's too busy. God's not going to listen to my prayer. That was the, that was the very first thing that God had to break in my life. You guys know the story of being out on the beach and I lose my ring and it's out in the ocean and this woman says, God's going to return it to you. I said, lady, you're crazy. Number one, no one knows where that ring is. Number two, God doesn't have time to be looking for rings. Number three, you're insane. And God had to show me he cares that in the midst of my need, I could pray to him. That in prayer, there's power. And then when I went to the ocean, there my ring came up from the ground. So I believe in a God that provides that's one of the first things that God had to heal. Many people have come and says, I've lost this. And I'll never see it again. I said, well, let me tell you something. In the midst of your need, God moves the most powerfully. This one man came to my law office. He says, I sold my car 10 years ago. I don't know where it is. The woman drove it up to New York. She got in a car accident. She, she gave it to another man who gave it to another man who had a car accident. I don't know where this woman is. I need to sign the title. I need to find where she's at. I'm going to be liable. And I said, look, if you're going to pay a lawyer to do that, it's going to be over $10,000. But I have a God in heaven. And he answers prayer. And he meets your needs. And he looked at me like I was a crazy man. I said, so you want to pray? He goes, whatever. Let's, let's pray. And I said, God, you know where this woman is. You know it was 10 years ago. But where you dwell, there is no time. You dwell in eternity. I pray in Jesus' name for you to bring back that woman to sign this title. To fix this man's legal affairs for free. I didn't charge him for the prayer. The very next day, the woman calls him. She says, send me the paper. I'll sign it. She sent him the paper. She signed it. It got resolved. But we don't go to God. We're frustrated. We're flustered. We're overwhelmed. We see only men trying to meet our needs. And that's where the devil comes in and becomes a scoundrel, becomes a thief. The Bible says, look at the birds of the air. They never sow. They never reap. Your father clothes them. The Lord covers them. The Lord provides for them. Are you not of much more value? And so all the concepts here is God trying to bring clarity to our spiritual vision. I was talking to a man. He says, oh, this is a real sad thing now. I go, what's the sad thing? You have a horse now. I said, yeah, I have a horse now. It's a beautiful thing. He goes, no, you're going to have to feed it now. I go, come here, knucklehead. Don't you think if God gave me a horse, he'll give me enough to feed the poor horse? Or do you think the horse is going to die and we're going to starve to death? Because God supplies at levels that you can never even think his capacity to supply he provides at, 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 at degrees you never even dreamed of so in your 
poor, forsaken, wretched state. You don't believe. He says, no, I see your horse and I see tasajo. Let's kill it and eat it. See, that's what poor spiritual vision does. You eat everything. You can't see any blessing. You can't see anything beneficial. You can't see prosperity. You can't see peace. You can't, be, you can't see clothing and shelter. He says, not even Solomon in all of his glory could adorn himself like God has dressed the, 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 the flowers in the field. And, and so that becomes the challenge. Will I clothe myself? Genesis 3, 7. It says that, that man sinned because he thought he could take care of himself. And now with his eyes open, he was blinder than ever. He was naked and sewed fig leaves together. I've never seen, I don't know what a fig, I might, I might have seen a fig leaf, but I haven't paid too much attention. My understanding is they're very skinny. And to put a lot of them together and sew them up to do some covering. I don't know what that looks like, but listen what I see in this verse. Man's first attempt to clothe himself. Because he was clothed by the glory of God. Something had to disappear from their lives for them to say, wow, we don't have that no more. We better get something that looks like that. So they, they tie leaves together. And listen to me. The best attempt that a man does to meet his needs without God is a bunch of fig leaves. Whatever it is. With the house you have, the car you have, the, the, the places you go, the things that provide for you, if you're doing it on your own without the God of heaven covering you, there are a bunch of fig leaves. And it says they sewed them together and they made for themselves coverings. And ever since that fall, man has been trying to cover himself. And guess what? I don't know if you've seen that, that picture where you pull on the sheet and your toes come out. And then you pull the, the blanket down to your toes and then your chest comes out. And so you're, you're playing with covering because you refuse to come to God. You refuse to allow God to be the one who provides for you in all things in abundance. Have you seen a young girl who's dying for a husband? And she doesn't believe God's going to be faithful to give her a godly husband. She begins to give herself away. And to compromise and to negotiate because she has no vision for God's goodness. This is the realm of our need in every expression. We start cutting corners and cheating. This is, this is the supply of the devastation that's upon the earth. This is man trying to meet legitimate needs in illegitimate ways. You'll see the craziness of those who refuse to come to Christ. We have in the natural physical needs... Transportation, food, structure, houses. In our soul, we have relational needs. We need community. We need family. We need communication. And spiritually, we need those realms that address our deep spiritual needs. That's where the four areas, I'm sorry, the three areas, Matthew chapter 4, that the devil attacked. When the devil comes up to Jesus, he says, okay, let me attack him on the clarity of his meeting his needs physically. In verse 2, it says that the tempter came, Matthew 4, 2, and when he had fasted 40 days and night, he was hungry. What is his need? Food. In the midst of a physical need, what's the devil do? He's going to try to meet his physical need in an illegitimate manner. So he says in verse 3, the tempter said to him, see, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Move in a direction where you're meeting your physical needs. Move in a direction where you divorce your relationship with God to run after the fig leaves you will sow together to find covering. Verse 4. He answered and said, "Is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but my provision is according to God's instruction. 
everything that God speaks over my life will lead me to the provision he has for me. I want to tell you that the challenges are there. Um, when I was starting out my career in the legal field, a lot of people says, well, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You know what I need to do? Seek first the kingdom. Amen. And everything shall be added. And so I, I was sitting there in an Olympic-sized pool. I used to always say it. Olympic-sized pool of needs. Everybody and their mother offering to meet their needs. And I say, no. God is my provider. If he doesn't provide, I'm a, I'm a wretched man. And so a lot of people will come and try and meet your needs. I challenge you to say, I'm starting from zero and I'm starting with God. Amen. The story about this church is that many millionaires came, wealthy, wealthy, wealthy man, and says, Pastor, we know that God is with you. We know that you have a ministry. We know you're anointed. Let us buy your building. Let us enter into relationship together. Let us buy the chairs. Let us buy the musical equipment. I said, look, it would be a great building with great chairs, great music, and God wouldn't show up. What do we need? A great big church and no God. Because other people are trying to fill in like if God is not present. So another man came and says, listen, you have a great ministry. I have a lot of money. I agree with you. Let's do it. Because my needs will be met by my God. And since 20 years ago, we've never had any needs in this church. Because our God has supplied us richly with all things. Amen. So men have come and men have gone and we're unfazed. Because the God of heaven has provided marvelously, wonderfully. Sometimes we, we had the needs of musicians. Uh, one musician says, well, I, I, if I leave, you won't have anyone. I said, my friend, please leave because I'm dying to see what God has in his inventory. And God has just blessed us out of, out of this world. Out of this world. Because his provisions are vast they're, they're, they're extravagant. They're amazing. So it's always a great challenge when the devil comes and says, hey, turn these stones into bread because that's your lifeline. You say, no, I'm going to do it God's way. <laughs> sounds interesting. Sounds great. Sounds like I'm going to go faster to where I'm going, but I want to see God's hand. I, I don't, God's hand is not short that he cannot save. And so if you don't have spiritual vision, you're selling yourself out like a prostitute on every corner. Every time somebody dangles a carrot in front of you, you're running in that direction. Instead of saying, my God doesn't want me to compromise. My God doesn't want me to cut corners and cheat. He doesn't want me to steal. He doesn't want me to lie. He doesn't want me to fear. I'm not walking in fear. I'm not walking based on distorted realities. I want to see God show up fantastically. So he tried another thing. In verse um, 5, the devil took him to the holy city. And he said in verse 5, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. He will command his angels concerning you. Verse 6. This had to do not with physical food. This had to do with protection. If you go towards danger, your soul would be surrounded by angels. Verse 7. Jesus says, no, my friend. It's written, you shall not tempt the Lord. I'm not going to run ahead of God to try and meet uh, a need that is not my present need right now. So the first one was a physical need. He says, I don't need to walk with you. I need to listen to what God says. The second one is a protection, um, uh, protecting him from dying. And he says, no, I'm not going to run ahead and do anything to tempt God. That, that was on the realm of the soul. When you're talking about your soul, you're talking about your emotions and your feelings. And usually people are bent out of shape in a condition of their soul, but they don't come to him. If, one, if, if anyone comes to me, I'll bring rest to your soul, he says. I'm going to bring rest to your soul. I'm the provider. A, a lot of wives want their husbands to be. A, a lot of children want their parents to be. But our soul is taken care of. Uh, I'm not going to tempt the Lord and question his goodness in the area of my soul. And then finally, he takes him over to tempt him in the spirit. 
He says like this um, in verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high place, a, a place of prominence. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to him, I will give you all this if you fall down and worship me. Verse 9. In the area of his spiritual need, Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, because my worship will be to God, and only him will I serve. Body, soul, and spirit. The devil wanted to trump Jesus in providing illegitimate needs to his, illegitimate provision to his legitimate needs. And in all three areas, Jesus says, my God is sufficient for these things. I'm going to wait upon the Lord. I'm going to put my trust in God. I'm not going to be selling myself out to a quick imitation that will ultimately cause me to be devoured. This is Paul in Philippians 4.19 where he settles it once and for all with these words. I, I pray that they become part of your everyday. My God shall supply all my needs. My God. He's so wonderful and the creative expressions of his supply. When you're talking about need, you're talking about supply. And, and what a great spiritual vision to be able to say, listen, I'm, I'm not coming to you based on my need because I go to God based on my needs who will supply it according to his vast riches and glory because of what Christ Jesus has done. I, I'm not moved in these things. This, this was an answer to Philippians 4.11. Now he says, not that I speak in regards to need. I'm not going to converse based on my need. A lot of, a lot of people are overwhelmed. They, they don't come to church because they think church is not going to meet their needs. Um, those that do come to church, they're, they're fascinated by the fact that our expectation is from the Lord. The line outside the church is vast, and people call all the time, hey, I have a need. I say, God can meet your need. You come over, and God will take care of you. He says, I don't have time to come over. I want you to meet my needs. I said, no, no, no. See, I'm not God. I'm not God, and the line of the needs that this world has are vast, and, and they're, they're of every sort and kind. They're physical. They're emotional, relational. They're spiritual. The, the need to be loved, the need to be embraced, the need to... Uh, to, to form part of a community, of a family. The biggest devastation upon the earth is the need of a father. And God supplies that need far greater than anything we could even imagine. And so Paul says, I'm not speaking to you on the basis of my need, for I've learned that it doesn't matter how I am at the very present, but I am content. Whatever's going on in my life, I am content. Verse 12, knowing I know how to be at the lowest, I know how to be in abundance. Everywhere I'm at and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry. I know how to be satisfied. I know how to suffer. And he says, both to abound and suffer need. And then this verse, next verse, that everybody uses for everything else, but what they, I can do all things. Nothing limits me from expressing who God wants me to express through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I'm not going to allow the devil to dictate that in an area of my need, this, there's a pastor that committed suicide two weeks ago. And, and he ran to the psychiatrist, he ran to the psychologist, he ran to the pharmacist. He did not run to God. He thought that he would, he would put something else in that place of meeting his needs. And I want to tell you, don't do it. Don't do it because you will be devastated. Don't do it because you're going to be let down. You're going to be frustrated. What are our needs? And who is supplying these needs? And that's when he says in verse 19, my God shall supply all that we need according to his vast treasures in heaven. 
to be able to be in a place where I can see God move in my life, that is the place I want to be. Where is this God going to move so it's not fig leaves that cover me? It's not me making my own covering. These crossroads of man's legitimate needs, the devil offers illegitimate imitation and provision. And the crossroads of man's legitimate needs, God offers sufficiency and legitimacy of reality to meet all his needs. Verses like Ephesians 3.20. He's able to make, meet our needs in every direction as a reality and to be the source of all that provision to meet us with surpassing greatness, looking to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Your imaginations will be blown away by the inventories of heaven according to the power that works in us. Lord, let me see you in that light. Abraham tells his son, Genesis 22, he says, don't worry, son, God's going to provide a lamb for us on top of Mount Moriah. Genesis twenty-two fourteen. So Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will always provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, when you go to the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided to you. How many of us are willing to forget illegitimate provision for our legitimate needs on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided in the heights of God's plans for my life the things he has for me people are going to want you to cheat to steal to lie to a lot of people have left their relationship with the Lord to go after the things that they need only to be deceived And that's why one of the most powerful verses in the whole Bible is Psalm 121, verse 1. I will lift up my eyes to the mount of the Lord because that's where my provision comes from. I'm going to learn how to put, and it's not easy. It's not easy to go up to that mountain and to spend time with God. Lord, give us spiritual vision so that the adversary who roars like a devouring lion will not take advantage of us. Allow our children to see the certainty that Abraham was able to see. You said, how was Abraham able to give his son the sacrifice of Isaac? Hebrews eleven nineteen says, because he was seeing how God would meet his need raising his son from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense he was able to see God as the one who would provide him the challenge we have today the devil's taking the upper hand in our life we're getting bitter marriages we're getting bitter children we're getting bitter believers at church because the people are trying to frustrate and fluster themselves meeting their needs The power of prayer is powerful the majority of the time as God is meeting our needs. Matthew 7, 7, as we ask God, he said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek him and you will find, knock and the Lord will open. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives. And those who seek will find, and to the one who knocks, it will be open. Which one of you, if his son is asking him for bread, will give him a stone? Verse 10. Or if he's asking for a fish, will give him a serpent? The clarity of being able to see God meet our need will allow us to be delivered from emotions of anxiety. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious about nothing. Don't be anxious for anything. Put these things in prayer and ask God to provide. Let your request be made known to God so that the peace of God could keep your hearts. Verse 7. 
Don't let the devil take you on a ride. You lose your peace because you think that you don't have provision. Take it to the Lord who gives you a peace that will go past your understanding and will guard your hearts and your mind. 1 John 5.14 says this is the confidence we have when we go to God for provision. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We're confident of this. God knows our needs even before we ask. He knows what we long for way before we even come before him with it. Verse 15, if we know that he hears us in whatever we are needing, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. He will bring our request when he says in James chapter 2, verse 15, do not preach to somebody about faith until you meet his needs first. Listen to this. If God's standard rule is do not tell someone God bless you until first you give him what he needs because his need will not allow him to hear you. I'm convinced that a lot of people come to church, but they can't hear what God is telling them because they're so needy. They're like... If a brother or sister is naked, needs clothing, and destitute of his daily food, whatever that may be, verse 16, and one of you say to him, God bless you, be warm, and have a great meal, but you do not give the things that are needed for that body, what good are you doing? So the God who says, don't worry, the God who says, I got your back, the God who says, I'm going to blow you away, the God who has all things for all people in all places, because his, his nature is provisional. One of his Hebrew names is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides Amen. in every direction at levels. And I'm telling you something. Sometimes he doesn't give you more than you can handle because it's going to become ruins to you. It'll spoil you. You get a husband before you're ready to have a husband, he's going to take you back home. Let's go back home and learn how to be a wife. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. But if you find somebody who's not ready to be a wife, it's like eating a lot of honey. You're going to vomit. 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, as for those who have provision in this world, instruct them not to allow their arrogance and their conceit, nor to set their hope on these uncertain riches, but to continue to put their eyes upon God because he is the provider of all things richly so that we could enjoy. I, I want to stop here because I, I really believe that we need time to pray and say, Lord, these eyes need to be healed. This heart needs to be healed. My soul needs to be restored. My spirit needs to be made right. Let's stand tonight, today, this morning. Every ill that you see in the Bible of man going astray is man putting his hope somewhere else. Man putting the cart before the horse. Man striving. Man saying, if I go here, I'm going to help God. If I do this, I'm going to help God. Listen, you're the one that needs help, not God. God doesn't need anything from you. God needs you to know him and to know that he will sufficiently provide all things to all people in all places. So it comes down to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. If God is the provider, if he has all the things to meet our needs, and how many say amen, glory, hallelujah? I have no doubt God will blow me away. God will blow me away in every direction. Now I must wait upon the Lord. I must wait and, and be patient and knowing that these things will come to pass because he's faithful. Isaiah 40, verse 31, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on the wings like an eagle to run and not lose energy. They shall walk and not faint. They're not diminished and depleted because they're not, they're not stretching themselves out too thin. If I serve God the way he's supposed to be served, he will make me the head and not the tail. He will put me on the top and not beneath. 
Now, how is it that you're out there like the Gentiles who do not believe in God running to and fro, trying to seek after these things you need when your heavenly father knows you need them and is going to meet your needs in a manner that'll blow you away. But you'll never see it because the devil has distorted you. He has deceived you. You have made your money, your strength, your, your savvy, your boast, your prosperity in the things that are shameful. Father, only the devil could trick us out of leaving your hand to making broken cisterns, jars to fill like if that was our provision. Today we want to say you are our provider. Our eyes will seek the Lord in the high places. We will lift our eyes to the mountains from whence comes our help. Our help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. And in every area of our life, whether it be physical, emotional, the soul, or the spirit, heal us, Lord. Provide for us. Quench our thirst. Meet our need. Satisfy our hunger. Allow us to trust you in every stage of life. We don't run to doctors. We don't run to medicine. We don't run to the hope of technology and the medical field. Your presence, oh God. At the mount of the Lord, you shall provide. The highest place where we meet with God, there's provision. He will provide a lamb. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Father, we pray that we might walk in this reality. The devil has nothing on us. That we not try to meet our legitimate needs in an illegitimate manner. Affirm us, oh God. Confirm your hand upon our life in a mighty way that we learn how to wait upon you. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.